Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many things you've already blessed us all throughout this day. And now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. We need to stay strong in the Lord. Way too many people want to stay strong in themselves based on their own strength. You have these self-help books that are out there and these counselors and psychiatrists and so forth that help you build yourself up with your self-image and all this selfishness stuff. And that gyms to go work out and get your own strength, your own physical strength. But the strength that we can really depend on comes from the Lord, not from ourselves. So when we're strong in the Lord, or stay in the strength of the Lord, then we have something that's everlasting. In Isaiah chapter 40, he speaks of the strength that we can have when we trust in the Lord. So in Isaiah chapter 40, picking it up in verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Notice, coming from the Lord. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Verse 31 there is a verse that's very often quoted, and it applies to those that wait upon the Lord. Now this wait isn't just like when you're waiting for a bus or waiting for your food to be delivered to you. This wait is more like a waiter or waitress. Service. Those that are in service for the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord, those that are in an association and a communion with the Lord, those that depend upon the Lord, and also patiently await something from the Lord. So it can apply in those two different ways there. And that's the key is to trust in the Lord and what He can do for us. And over in Matthew chapter 5, He lets us know that there's going to be challenging times as a Christian. When you become a Christian, that puts a mark on you, it puts a target on you. Satan's going to come at you in all kinds of different ways. And some of the ways is through persecution. He'll bring your family against you. He'll bring your so-called friends against you. He'll bring the government against you. He'll bring complete nations against you. And he tells us this very early in his ministry in Matthew chapter 5, and picking it up in verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now two 
words here that we see that stand out is righteousness and falsely. When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, it's because you're doing something godly and that they falsely accuse you of being evil. They try to say that good is bad and bad is good. It's the way the devil is always doing, trying to turn things around backwards. Society accepts that because they like to stay in their sins and dabble in the sins and get others to join in with their sins. So if you can condemn the righteous, then you can lift up the unrighteous. But when they are persecuted for righteousness sake, we get a blessing. When we get persecuted for doing the work of the Lord by the devil, by all his followers, that actually builds us rewards, blessings that we can enjoy now, roll over into a millennial period, and then all the way into the eternal state. A lot to build up, but wait upon the Lord. Patiently awaiting, but also serving the Lord. Then we will receive that strength and always acknowledge that it's His strength. Let's see an example of some of this persecution that the early disciples suffered in Acts chapter 5. We see this account of suffering that they went through while waiting upon the Lord, while in service for the Lord. In Acts chapter 5, let's pick it up in verse 12. Now these apostles have been out doing some preaching and teaching. And in verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest there is no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the, the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. So doing a godly work. Notice the reaction in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. So why were these people filled with indignation? They were the priests. They were supposed to be the godly ones because they were anti-Christ. That's why they had this attitude. They didn't want to see the work of the Lord being done. They were in it for their own selfish gain. They were in those positions of priesthood and so forth for the recognition, for the praise, and for the profit. Verse 18. And these high priests here, verse 18, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple of the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and set to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we op had opened, we found no Man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. 
Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. In total and complete defiance of what the establishment wanted them to do. As it continues, Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? In the name of Jesus Christ is what they were talking about. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? It was upon them, because they're the ones that crucified him. And then Peter responds so well in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and says, We ought to obey God rather than men. Wouldn't it be awesome if all Christians would stand firmly on that around the world, to stand up strong in the Lord and do what the Lord wants us to more than what mankind wants us to? Read that again. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, telling them the gospel, which they should have received and accepted, but rejected. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. They were antichrist. They didn't have the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. They were indwelt with Satan. So they wanted to kill these Christians. Verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council of a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also, he also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. These are wise words that he's saying. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. So this man here had some sense and was trying to bring sense to the others, saying, back off. If this is of God, it's going to prosper. There's nothing you can do against it. But if it is not, it ain't going to last anyway. Verse 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. If they were really in 
a belief of what this man had just told them, they wouldn't have even beat the apostles. But some of them wanted to at least get that in. Maybe we could discourage them by beating them up. But note the response, the reaction of the apostles. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They took that punishment and used it as a fuel for them, an inspiration to them, a motivation to them. They were rejoicing that they were found worthy to suffer, rejoicing that they had done such a good work that the devil come at them with his followers to destroy them, to stop them. As we can rejoice also when we see the world turning against the Christians, it's because they hate the Christians, and if the Christians are doing a good work, then they hate them that much more. And we see an increase in persecution around the world, more and more Christians being killed, more and more being slaughtered. Just recently, there was a Christian church blown up with 21 people killed in Egypt because they were Christian, killed by the Antichrist bunch. And it's on the increase. It's on the increase in this country. It's a shame, but that's the way it is, and it's going to increase all through the last days. But let's turn over to First Peter. The one that this event was just talking about happened. Now in his writings in First Peter chapter 3, we see some teaching that comes from him through his experience of being an obedient servant of the Lord. In First Peter chapter 3, pick it up in verse 13. It reads, And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's exactly what he did when he was being persecuted very early on when he was in the ministry. He had the right attitude. Sanctify the Lord. I mean, put a special place in your heart and your life for the Lord. And always be ready to give an answer. He gave an answer to those that were persecuting him. He gave an answer to them that should have changed their lives. They rejected it. And then note in verse 16 how this applies. If we do what we're supposed to do, if we praise the Lord, if we stay in the righteousness, he's having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. When you're living a good, God-glorifying life and you get persecuted, that can put them to shame, either now or at judgment. They, they will be ashamed of going up against the Lord. Verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." 
And that's what we got to understand that we have. The indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost that brings us to life. Because that's what being quickened means. To be brought to life by the power, by the influence of the Holy Ghost. And jump on over to chapter 4. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sins, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. We need to present ourselves to the world an example of living a God-glorifying life. We need to present Jesus Christ, not ourselves. We need to open up and let the love of Jesus Christ flow through us. Let his light come through us so that the world sees Jesus when he sees us. Get ourselves out of the way and our own sins and sinful behaviors out of the way as he goes into that. For the time past of your life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, rivalings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, reminding us of our past, but leave that alone. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. See, when you are friends of the past that knew your evil ways of the past, see you change, your life becomes different. You no longer want to associate with them or do the same evil things they're doing. Then they think it's strange that you don't want to do that anymore. And they start talking evil with you, about you, falsely accusing you. Oh, those self-righteous fellow, oh, he's so good. He don't want to associate with us no more. Well, if, he's, if you're on the right track, you don't want to associate with evil anymore. Reach your friends if you can, but don't be pulled down back into that same mire, into that same muck, into that mud, into that darkness. Verse 4 again, Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. They're going to answer for the evil speaking against a Christian. Verse 6, For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Like, you go to the graves and preach to those? No, he's talking about the spiritually dead. That's those that we're preaching to. They haven't been quickened. They haven't been brought to life. They're not born again yet. Therefore, we're preaching to the dead. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be sober. That means clear-minded. Don't do anything or participate in anything that could clear, I mean, that could fog your mind, that could confuse you, that could make you drunken in your mind. This is not just talking about substance abuse. This is talking about the confusion that your mind can get in your dabbling in the world and worldly things, listening to the worldly things the contrary things, the things that want to draw you away from trusting in the Lord, the false teachings that are out there, the false religions that are out there that can cause you to be drunken in your mind. Verse 7 again, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. This is a sincere concern for someone else's well-being. 
The way you act, the way you interact with others, your conversation in Christ is a testimony. It can really influence someone else. We should always be very attentive to that, that what we do and how we behave in the world can influence someone else, can draw them in to be a Christian or push them away. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The various gifts of the Holy Ghost that come to us, the blessings of the understanding and wisdom of the will of the Lord and of the word of the Lord that can be shared with others, as well as the other blessings, the material blessings as well, share among the brethren. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Notice, the glorification goes to the Lord, not to the individuals. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's awesome that he's allowed us to be a part of his work, but always acknowledge that it's his work. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. We get into some of these trials, these temptations, these persecutions, these hardships, these challenges, these obstacles, and then you might think that you're the only one having to go through that. Nobody else had to suffer the way that you're suffering. Well, no, don't think anything strange. It's happened to everyone in different ways, different times throughout the ages. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when he, his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Just like the apostles were happy when they were persecuted for righteousness sake. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Everything that, we should, everything that we do should always bring honor and glory to the Lord, even through the midst of those persecutions. It's so easy for us to turn back to the flesh and want to do the paybacks. But no, Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Not us, it's His place to do that. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. It's like if you're a Christian, you go out there and you do something sinful and then you're suffering for it, don't say that you're suffering because you're a Christian. Well, you did something sinful, so it come upon you. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be for them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. We've been going through the book of Job. And Job is suffering terribly in the section that we're studying. 
But he's still praising the Lord. He's still saying that even if the Lord takes his life, he's still going to trust in the Lord. And that's the kind of attitude we need to have. No matter what we're going through, even if the sufferings that are so severe coming upon us are horrible, we still need to trust in the Lord. Jump on over to chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. If we humble ourselves, listen to the will of the Lord, and go through those challenges, they might be hard, it might be tough, but go through those challenges. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober. Over and over we see this, being sober. Keep your mind clear. Be sober. Be vigilant. Perseverance is there to keep on keeping on. Don't back off. Stand strong. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Those same afflictions are coming upon other people. Resist the devil, as he tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he hath suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We need to always acknowledge him through all the challenges that we face. We need to always know that he's right there with us through all of it. And over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, reason, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you're doing a good work, you keep at that good work. Don't back off. Don't be weary. Don't faint. And you trust in the Lord, you're not going to be weary. You're not going to faint. Read verse 9 again. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. It's interesting how he throws that in there especially unto those that are of the household of faith. We need to always support each other, to lift each other up, to help each other, to grow and to be stronger and stronger in our work for the Lord. And we see an armor that we can put on that is the armor of God over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's the strength that we can have. In the Lord, not in ourselves, not in our own might, but strength in the Lord by His power, His might. Always His power, His might, and bring all the honor and glory to Him. As he continues, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not our own armor. It's the armor of God that can put upon us. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That spiritual wickedness in high places is talking about 
the establishment, whether it is the, the church establishment, or whether it is the government establishment, or whether it is an antichrist movement establishment, whether it is any group that comes together, they are being led by Satan, they are indwelt with Satan, and they are going against the Christian. Therefore, we need the shield, we need the armor of God to deflect all that. As it continues, verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in that evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. That truth, that truth that can be found in the Word of God, that truth that comes from the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, when they come up against you with some false accusation, you have the truth to stand on. When they come up at you with some false religion, you have the truth to stand upon. When they come up against you with anything that is anti-Christ, you have the truth. So take that on and in. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That sword, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Pray for one another. Love one another. Put on the whole armor of God. Stay strong in the Lord. Get out there and get into battle. And receive the blessings that come along with that. But know that you're going to be persecuted against. You're going to be lied against. You're going to have people turn against you. Even the closest people around you will turn against you when you're doing the work for the Lord. So acknowledge that. Know that. Rejoice in that. Be happy in that because you know that's the devil behind that trying to stumble you up or trying to slow you down. Don't let it happen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost that you give all of us. All of us that have trusted you as our Lord and Savior, that armor that you can put upon us as we go out into the battle that you allow us to be a part of. You're not forcing us to go out there into that, but you're allowing us to go out there into that. To be able to receive the blessings and the glory and the judgment for all that we have achieved and accomplished for you. We truly thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your work. So pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.